Hi, my name's Matt, and this is a podcast about life after the coronavirus vaccine. Welcome to episode four. Before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to just recap the last week. Last Sunday, my three-week vaccination date came and went. And on Monday, the roadmap announcement came and went. Yet, despite two such big milestones, very little has really changed this week, at least in the day-to-day practical reality of getting on with life. And as my friend Rosie spotted, this week has been a bit of a fed up type week. Maybe I'm just tired. Maybe it's being back at work after a few days off last week. Maybe it's a bit of built up frustration at waiting for change. Maybe it's a bit of worry about the changes ahead. Maybe it's a bit of all of that. But this week, I've really felt my anxieties being like on a hair trigger. For me, that shows up as just a frequent series of short moments where a a random thing will just make my stomach sink, my heart quickly race. And then my mind catches up, realising there's nothing to worry about and it starts to pass. On their own, no one of them is particularly disturbing. But when they build up like that over so many moments in the day, when you're never sure where the next one is coming from, what it is that will trigger the next pit in your stomach to open up, it begins to wear you down. It it, it makes you feel on edge. In one of the many moments the stomach sinking showed up this week. I just thought to myself, nearly like screaming in my own head, I don't know how to deal with this. And I actually realised, I don't, I really don't know how to deal with this. I'd been talking with a student earlier in the day about anxiety and their experiences of it. And I realised, I don't think I'm alone in not knowing how to deal with this. It's not like suddenly my mental health is so bad I need a therapist, although I probably would benefit from one and I think we all would. But actually, why is it that we don't have more places to share the tools we all need to deal with these low-level malfunctions of our own brains? So I'm starting this episode with a request. If you have any advice to share, if you know anyone who has any advice to share, anyone who wants to talk about their experiences of dealing with the everyday ways our brains go wrong, then get in touch on Instagram or Twitter at Life After Vax. At the end of the episode, I'm going to share two simple breathing exercises I've been using to help myself recently. So, Stay listening to hear those. But before that, here's the second part of my interview with Jess Clark. One of the things I know about Jess Clark as a personal trainer, and I think you maybe shared this with me, and it's since become like a really like 
core part of my fitness and kind of health regime is like that your regime, your regime has to work for you. And by work for you, that isn't just about you as a person. It's about you in your circumstance and you with the time you have and the situation you're in. And the situation obviously for lots of us is, well, it has massively changed over the past 10 months in lots of different ways. And it's likely to significantly change again. Have you got any like advice for how do we practically turn that kind of like thinking into like actual things we can do? So this is actually really interesting because I have spoken to a lot of clients about this recently and I'm going to jump exactly into what you started by saying there is that if you try and force something into your life and try and find a space for it in terms of I have to do this so I'll just I'll put it there I'll I'll do it I'll do that later when actually you might not have time that's when things are most likely to fail because you haven't done it in a pleasurable way in terms of like, I've made time for something that I enjoy because I want to do it and it fits in with my life and it works. Um, It then almost becomes one of those things that we want to delay and procrastinate starting. And when it comes to changing of habits and changing of routines, you can fall into two different categories. You can either be the kind of person where change is a really good thing and actually that can breed new goals and it can breed new circumstances to be better and that can make you then feel more motivated. Alternatively, it could be actually that can be quite disruptive to what is already a quite settled routine. Um, So whether that be gyms closing or gyms reopening or going back to work from from working at home and having, you know, an hour each side your working day for a commute, things that may have been easier in lockdown may now become more difficult as opposed to, oh, this is great, the gyms have reopened and I've got more time to do that. Right. So I think before you start sort of making decisions of how you want to move forward and how you want to change and, you know, where you want to go when things start to change it's a really good idea to figure out which camp you're in whether this is a good thing for you and it creates more opportunities or whether this could potentially disrupt what you've created during lockdown and be a Mm. not like a stressful situation but could potentially put things on hold for you or could be more challenging to create new goals and targets. Yeah. I swear this is another pearl of wisdom you've shared with me in the past, but I, as human beings, we naturally overestimate the difference that one day or one workout can make. And we significantly underestimate the difference that small but consistent changes can make. And so there's a sense of, I think what you're saying about habits that are formed over lockdown that might need to change, we can spot those, Mm. but also looking for opportunities where new habits can form. Is that? Yeah, 
Exactly. There's a really great book called Atomic Habits, and he talks about um, habit stacking. And this is something that I really encourage in a lot of my clients and people in general to create small, achievable daily targets that will not disrupt your life too much that they are overpowering your day, but are going to give you a sense of achievement. Because if I achieve three of those daily targets in one day, I'm going to get that feeling of satisfaction of I've ticked things off my list. That's awesome. That's great. As opposed to putting so much weight onto this one thing in my day and then not necessarily getting around to it and then feeling worse for not doing it. Mm. Yeah, it's great. We're coming out of lockdown, you know, things are changing and that's great. But at the same time, we're coming out of lockdown. There's a lot of change. Don't put too much pressure on, you know, these big things in one go. Like give yourself the little wins, like give yourself a high five at the end of the day for drinking a extra glass of water, you know, like that's enough. You've done better than you have before. Those moments of change are also a really good opportunity to notice what works and what doesn't work. I've tried lots of different diets and workout regimes and carb cycling and all kinds of different things. And there have been so many that haven't worked, but in lots of ways they have worked because they've taught me and shown me things that don't work for me. And if I just take a moment to understand why they didn't work for me, then actually they've really helped me. I've been much more consistent over the past two, three years than I've ever managed to be in my life. And one of the reasons for that is because I now know all the myriad of ways, and there are so many of them that didn't work for me. Absolutely. I mean, it is a cliche, but we do learn from our mistakes and getting things wrong is the best way to then get things right. Because you can cycle through all of these things and get them off the list because finding something that works for you could potentially be very different to another person. Mm. So having this time in lockdown especially is actually a really good time to look at what you need personally. Yeah. So for example, I have worked out in this lockdown, I need seven hours of sleep. I felt so much better getting more sleep. Mm -hmm. Whereas before I was waking up at 5am for a a 6am start, working straight through till 9pm and then going to bed at half 11 because I was finishing my admin and then getting up at five the next day and wondering why I wasn't achieving my goals in the gym, why I was falling behind on my workload, why I was, to be honest, not particularly nice to be around some days. And it's because I wasn't getting enough sleep. So now when I come out of lockdown, I'm like, I know that is a non-negotiable for me now. Mm. And there is a really good opportunity for people here to work out what their non-negotiables are and to work out what works for them, whether it be lifestyle, diet, exercise, whether it's working out, you know, a specific routine or a more generalized, whatever. Yeah. It is 
what are your non-negotiables? Yeah. And now you've figured that out, how can you implement that into your life in a way that complements your life and doesn't take away from it? Once you know your non-negotiables, and I maybe think of that as being like the what I need for me, you then also can think about what I need for me now. As in like the person we are in the moment is constantly changing in response to the kind of circumstances around us. But actually what I've learned are those things that I know I need for me all the time. And actually what are some of the things that I need for me now? Like for me, the massive example is in the summer, I took up running, which I have tried to make running something I enjoy doing lots of times before and absolutely failed every single time. And what it took was only being allowed out of my house once a day and having to stay two meters away from everybody and being in my flat for the other 22 hours a day for me to realize that actually running through the streets is actually really good fun. It's exactly that. And that's a really good example because your habit has changed is that you've started running, but actually the non-negotiable there isn't the running the non-negotiable is having that time outside or having that time away from the same four walls that you've been in for almost a year. So you can implement that same style and that technique of working out your non-negotiables and your negotiables with such a variety of different things, whether it be lifestyle, diet, whatever. Mm. And it there's a really interesting way that you can do it um, in finding things that serve you and that don't serve you and things that are important to you. And it's a really simple task, but it can highlight such a a lot of things that you didn't necessarily know about yourself. And it's as simple as writing down your morning routine and then your evening routine. And then you put a plus or a minus sign next to those things of whether you think they serve you or not, or whether you think that you enjoy them or not. So for example, alarm goes off, check phone, get coffee. Out of those three things, for me, getting coffee is a habitual morning thing that I enjoy doing. And it's, I sit down with my boyfriend, we have our coffee together. It's an important part of my day, but waking up and checking my phone, Mm. you know, sometimes I see lots of emails and then I get caught up into work and then my brain is frantic and actually that's not serving me. Yeah, That is a negotiable because I can check my emails two hours later when I've had a shower, had something to eat and I'm in a more Mm. stable place to do that as opposed to having a non-negotiable, having some time, quality time with my boyfriend where we can talk about what we're going to do with our day. And that's, you know, not necessarily an exercise thing, but it's still a a lifestyle thing, which gives me a positive start to my day where I can then carry on the rest of my day feeling like I've started on the right foot. One of the things that I have been really trying to focus on is finding ways of affirming myself and my body image in a way that I think is really healthy and helpful. And for me, one of the things that I've really been focusing on is celebrating my body as being resilient. You know, my body journey has gone from everything from being really, really sick at like nine stone when I had like my worst flare-up of ulcerative colitis and being 14 stone and everything in between. But what I think about in each of those moments, 
for myself is like my body was doing what it needed to do, which was keeping me alive. And so like celebrating the resilience of our bodies is like, I can celebrate my body, whatever size it is, whether I am powering through a hit workout or I am sat on the sofa eating a pack of mini eggs because I am sad. My body is doing for me what it needs to do. Like it can cope with those things. Absolutely. The best one of the best things that has ever happened for my body journey was when I was in the gym probably about four years ago and I was having a, you know, just when you're in a workout state, when you are spending more time on your phone than actually on the workout because <laughs> you are just not mentally there at all. Yes. And I was sat on the mat. I was looking quite sorry for myself at this point. And this woman came over to me and she was probably in her mid fifties and she started squatting with a kettlebell next to me. And I, I said to her, I was like, you look amazing. Cause she did, she was smashing it out. And she said to me, she said, yeah, she was like, well, she was like, my legs are a bit bigger than they used to be. She said, but they've carried me for over 50 years and I've done everything I've needed to do in my life. I've given birth to three amazing children. So if they're a little bit flabby, I don't really care. And I was like, oh my God, she's right. She's right. It blew my mind. It changed the way I look at my body forever. So now if I'm having a bad day and I'm like, I need to lay on the sofa and eat some mini eggs because I'm sad, because relatable. Okay, fine. I'm doing that. But also the three days prior to that, I was surviving a global pandemic without completely losing my mind. I had done, you know, a walk every day, a workout. I managed to take care of my body, my house, my boyfriend and my life. And my heart is still beating. I can still see, I can still carry myself. So do you know what? Yeah, I've made it 25 years doing this. If I want to lay down on the sofa, I damn well will. Amen. Right? And rest guilt is a huge thing. And in 2021, we are not doing rest guilt anymore your body is capable of the most incredible things. And especially if you're part of like a a fitness regime, whether that be running, weights, walking, cycling, whatever it may be, if you are putting your body through something like that and it is giving you the returns of letting you do it, the least you can do is reward your body with a little bit of time off. I wanted to jump in here before we get back to the last part of my conversation with Jess, because this week my friend Pip did something that to me captures this spirit of celebrating the resilience of our bodies with such bravery and clarity. This week, Pip put up an Instagram picture of herself with no hair after two chemotherapy appointments. She looked amazing. Not just because she always does, but to me, it was such a beautiful celebration of a body doing what it needed to do to get her through. In the case of cancer treatment, absorbing literal poison, I would be devastated to lose my hair. I know I would. 
but her body is giving up her hair for a while so that she can get better again. And to see her so bravely share that with the world made me admire her so much and made me all that more determined to be thankful and to celebrate my body for getting me through whatever life throws at us. I got some wisdom from TikTok that I can't now remove from my brain. <laughs> and this is this because I know Jess Clark, you are the self-care queen. And I love when you're on Instagram and people should follow Jess on Instagram at Jess Clark underscore PT. Is that right? Yeah, that's me. Yeah. On TikTok, I saw someone say self-care is creating a life you don't want to escape from. <gasps> Oh, I love that. I love that. That's true though. And like on the flip side of that, it's like self-care is something that you would see someone doing for someone else and be like, oh, I wish someone would do that for me. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like that like ties in a little bow what we talked about today, like about, you know, as life kind of starts to maybe become something more like normal or a new normal, it's like that opportunity to say, what is it that I want to keep in my life? What is helpful that I want to have? What brings me joy that I want more of? And that in and of itself is that act of self-care. The end goal should always be waking up in the morning and being excited for your life, not just your day, but your life. Like, yeah, I get to do my life the way that I want it. And I feel like for the past year, lots of us have woken up to a life that we feel quite frustrated by. And that we haven't decided. Right. And actually, that experience is very, very painful. But what we've got is this opportunity where we say, right, it's been hard. It's been painful. I've woken up for 10, 12 months feeling frustrated and um, like I don't have a choice in my own life. Now we're having those choices back. Let's make better ones for ourselves. Let's make that life we don't want to escape from. And make yourself a priority, you know, like if this experience has taught me anything, have realized a lot more about myself and the things that I need. And like you said, like, I love helping people. I love doing that as part of my job. And I can't fill someone else's cup if mine is empty. So I need to start making myself a priority and I need to start taking better care of myself so that then I can do what I love, which is help other people and be there for others. Thank you once again to Jess Clark. It's at Jess Clark underscore PT if you'd like to follow her on Instagram. I wanted to close this week's episode with two breathing practices I've been working to include in my everyday life, each one lasting only a single breath. They can last longer and sometimes I do do that, but as Jess so brilliantly explained earlier, it's better to build simple habits you stick to than more ambitious ones you can't. They're pretty similar, but subtly different each one just briefly fitting in the gap when I notice particular thought patterns or feelings. 
The first is to help let positive feelings sink in. The second helps me find clarity in moments of feeling overwhelmed or frantically minded. So the first. When I notice a positive feeling or experience, I try to focus on it. Name it if I can. And just for a single deep breath, breathe it in and out. Let me give some examples. On my morning run, I often catch myself feeling a sense of success, a sense of gratitude to my body for letting me move and breathe and push a little harder, farther, faster, or just simply move at all. Or maybe I remember the job and the life I have, which gives me time to run each morning. Or I might think about the delicious breakfast waiting for me when I get home. And that leads me towards a feeling of gratitude for being able to keep a fridge well stocked and a body well fueled. The feelings don't always emerge with great clarity or particularly loud among the mental noise, but they sometimes just briefly pop up. And when they do, I try to catch them, hold onto them a little longer, perhaps name them if I can. I'm so grateful for my body letting me run like this today, perhaps. And then I breathe it in and out. The idea, which I will gleefully admit is an adaption of the heel steps from Rick Hansen's book, Hardwiring Happiness, is to turn passing positive moments into lasting positive habits. Or as Rick Hansen so beautifully puts it, turn neural states into neural traits. The second practice is very similar, but helps me handle those moments when I notice my brain just starting to get a little too busy, when it goes a little into overdrive with worries or making plans for a scenario that hasn't even happened yet. That is, I'm told, the network in our brains that runs front to back called the sympathetic nervous system. And in the physical world, it's particularly helpful, helping us play through scenarios before we act them. That way our thoughts die rather than we do. But particularly when we turn it inwards, it finds endless material to chew through and can end up being less than helpful. So with a deep breath in through the nose and out through the mouth, I focus on the feeling of my whole body breathing. I focus on the air coming in through my nose, deep into my chest and my chest rising and filling, I focus on the outward breath just a little longer than I may instinctively do. I feel my shoulders relax. I feel my body relax. I feel my legs relax and I feel my toes relax. In fact, I call this breathing in through my nose and out through my toes just to make sure I'm not taking myself too seriously. But that act of focusing on the whole body breathing activates the parasympathetic nervous system and it calms other thoughts, if only for a moment, and it helps me not to get too quickly swept away. 
Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe in your podcast player of choice. And if you've got any questions or comments, then find the podcast on social media at Life After Vax, V-A-X, both on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time. Thank you.